0: So you can be prepared for your tomorrow.
1: Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course.
0: In Numbers chapter 33, we're going to sit in a minute, but I won't, I've got to share this with you. The Bible says these are the journeys of the children of Israel. Journeys, plural, a moving forward, a shifting assignment, God is taking them to different places. By definition, the word journeys means they're moving on, going from place to place. But the definition that I I like about this, or, or, or the part I like about this definition rather, is that the word journeys mean we're not just moving, but we're moving on and going from place to place with a specific purpose in mind. Everyone say purpose. Yeah, some, God has something he wants us to do. And So the Bible says, uh, the, these are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Verse 2 says, and Moses wrote their goings out. And this is what we're emphasizing. He wrote, the, he wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. What that means is God told him, I want you to document the progress you're going to make, but I only want you to make note of your leaving, not your coming. Your goings out. are are the things that define you. God understands, watch this now, the way you go out will always affect the way you come in. So I don't have to know how you come in if I know how you went out. I can tell you a lot about you coming into a situation. I can tell you if it's going to work or not if I watch the way you came out. And so we have to sometimes go back, we have to stop. The Bible says, it, the, the, the inference here is that God orders our step, but he names our stops. The only places that God actually documented for the children of Israel was where he caused them to stop. Isn't it interesting that God can have you take a million steps, but he only take note of where you stopped? Because the work is done in the stopping places. Amen? In verse 3 it says this. matter of fact, go back to verse 2. I didn't finish the end of it because he repeats himself. He said, and these are, the journey, these are their journeys according to their goings out. Again, he says it, verse 3. And they departed Ramses in the first month of the 15th day of the first month. And on the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with an high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. Verse four says, "For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn; they were burying the dead, which the Lord had smitten among them upon their gods. Also had the Lord executed judgments." In verse five, and the children of Israel removed from Ramses, pitched in Succoth. Uh, uh, they departed Succoth, pitched in Etham, which is at the edge of the wilderness. And the Bible says from Etham they went to a place called Hahiroth, which is uh, before Baal Be- 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 ziphon Now this is interesting because, uh, you going gonna sit in a minute, but look at this word Baal Be- Be- uh, ziphon It means the Lord of the cold places. And what's interesting about this, I'm going to preach about this later on down the road, but, but while they were at Hahiroth, God kept moving them in a circle. He was trying to confuse Pharaoh, but he didn't realize, what he didn't know, but th- th- he was confusing them. Because they were coming to the Red Sea and they were turning, but he kept taking them up to Baal Zephon and then down to Migdal. Migdal, whatever got, God talked about destroying Egypt, he said, I will smite you from Migdal to Aswan. Migdal is the strength. That's the most powerful part of Egypt where the army was housed, where the out towers were. And so what God would do is he, would, he was parading his people up to the strongest part of Egypt. or or down to the strongest part rather than up to the coldest part he was sending a little message they were seeing powers they couldn't defeat and they were going into situations that were beyond their ability to to handle that's what was called up in Zephon in the north and God would take him up and he'll bring him down he kept doing this and then finally he points them to the Red Sea brings them to a place where they could not cross over without a miracle and could not go back without a conflict and I suggest, I, 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 I suspect that you, some of you are in a place right now where you can't go forward without a miracle. And you can't go back without a conflict. Who am I talking to today? I want, I want to speak to you on this wise, You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I believe that in the scriptures, and there's so much that can be said, we preach a lot to you. And we lean on the clever of our skills. We, we want to be clever. And I, I, I say something because it makes a lot of sense. Clever don't deliver. I can be real clever. I could, I could say a lot of things, that, but because I s- say it in a clever fashion doesn't mean it's going to bless you. It doesn't even mean that it it's true. I want to break down this lesson to you. I'm going to do a quick review. And then I want to end up today, if I can, dealing with the enemies of transition. So last week what we talked about in part one of this is that transition is a consistent part of life. It's a part of adulting. It's a part of growth. As long as you're alive, you're going to find that you're always in a searching, growing, moving, arriving, leaving mode. It always happens. But then we learn that sometimes we transition in a group. Sometimes we transition as a family or a team. But other times we have to transition alone. And when you transition alone, it's very difficult. The one thing... That we can count on is that if we trust God, he will go with us. He will guide us. He will be with us uh, until we get to the next stopping place in life. And we use the illustration by way of review of an elevator. When When you are going to an appointment, let's say it's on the 20th floor, when you get on the elevator, not everyone is going to the same place. Because the place that God has for you may be unique. So he may have scheduled you for an appointment on the 20th floor. But people on the, on the elevator with you, it may be packed and you, you're accustomed to being in a situation where it's full, where there's a crowd. And so you're accustomed to having people with you. But, and then when it starts to thin out, the first thing you start thinking about is, man, should I get off this elevator too? But you have to remember that if your appointment is on the 20th floor and folk are getting off on the 5th, 7th, 10th floor, if you get off with them, you're going to miss your appointment. A, there's an appointment. And sometimes we we'll, we'll make the mistake of coming to church, and we'll come to a church, and there people who have been here longer than us, and they seem more spiritual than us, and they seem like they just know God better than us because they're the loudest. In my experience, the loudest people are the emptiest people. I'm not throwing off on you. If you worship loud and God bless you, I think it's, it's necessary. And sometimes you, where, you where you've come from, your praise demands you be loud. You got it? But there other times when people are just loud because they're empty. There's some friends of mine, we used to say the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room. What we'll do, we'll, we'll measure our own spirituality and, 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 and our own comfort in the Lord based on what's going on with them. You, you're not even measuring your own growth, you're measuring yourself by their growth. And so if God, if God transitions them, if they move, if they die, if they, if they get promoted, if they get frustrated, if they get whatever, then you think that you have to shift because they shifted. And what you're missing is you're going to miss out on what God has for you. You got it? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, There's lots to be said about this. On Friday night, I had the privilege of of speaking at a conference in Birmingham. I I was dealing with um, this same topic of transition. And and there was something that came out that's not in our our notes from last week, but I want to bring it out as by way of... of, um, Revelation to show you what God is saying about going out. Notice in Numbers 33 and verse 2, the Bible says that as we looked at the the verse, go back to verse 2 real quickly, it says Moses wrote the goings out. Everyone say goings out. Not going out, goings out. Notice it's plural. He said it's goings out. It's like it's, it's a successive moving. It's, it's going out. He wrote their goings out. And the Bible says, and these are the journeys according to their go is, goings out. When you switch to New Living Translation, it doesn't use the term goings out, but it uses the word progress. It says, and the Lord's, at the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. So we could gather from this that my progress is not gathered by, by what I arrived to. My, my progress is, is, is measured by what I, come, what I come out of. My progress is measured not by what I enter into, but what I come out of. And what we do many times is we minimize our leaving so much so that we leave wrong. God, God will strand you in a wilderness. He will trap you in a hallway with many doors with none of them open because he cannot afford for you to go in this door the same way you came out the last door. Because what's on you and what's in you and the things that you're holding on to and the resentments and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and all the things you have in your heart too as a person. Maybe, watch this now, it's, it's amazing how you can hold, God is the one that's kicking you out. He's the one that's pushing you out. But you're holding on to stuff so God can't bring you in. And later on in this lesson, we're going to take a look at this, that with Israel the first group of the Israelites that came out, the Bible says that, that they went to a place called Kadesh bar So Kadesh Bar-Nir is, 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 a, is, is on the boundary of the promised land. The promised land is here, and the border is, is a place called Kadesh bar It's a 10 and a half to 11 day journey from the border of Egypt straight to Kadesh bar to the promised land. But, but that 11 day journey turned into 40 years because Israel did not manage their coming out right. And many of us right now are in situations where God won't let us in because we didn't manage our going out. Isn't that something that everywhere you've, every time you've ever left, every exit you've ever made was, some, was something tragic. Was something You, you, you can't look, reach back and say, I have a reference back there, or, I have a friend back there. Because every time you have to leave, it seems like you leave in a fight. You're mad with the people you, you left. You, you all don't get along. You have nothing good to say about them. And the Lord is trying to is trying to help you because what happens to many of us is that we we get to certain where we have to we have to reach back to a certain expertise, reach back to a certain knowledge, reach back to a certain relationship, and they have to speak on our behalf. But many of us burn so many bridges that we have none. And if you don't think it's important, I'm gonna say this to all of us beware of people who come to make covenant with you but that don't know how to leave. No, I'm going to tell you, I used to be that guy. I told you last week, the Lord, through my father, taught me how to, how to survive and how to recover. But he never taught me how to quit. So I, never, I didn't know how to make an exit. I didn't know how to leave. Every time that God ever called me to do anything, he had to kick me out. And if you hold on to things too long, sometimes you tend to choke them to death. You got it? Now, this is critical for your understanding. This whole thing is about leaving. I brought out a scripture. I brought out a scripture on Friday night that I want to share with you. It's in Genesis chapter 2. Give me verse 23, King James. I want to show this to you. God is now in his creation establishing the order. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings, um, there's the book of genetics, the book of genes. Um, It's seed that brings forth life. So the book of Genesis talks about all first things. Everybody say, all first things. And what's critical about this is the Bible is showing God is giving direction to Adam. And he's setting up the order of marriage. At this time that God is speaking, it, is, it, it, uh, it bears emphasis that at the time that he's speaking, the only two human beings in the earth are Adam and his wife Eve. Matter of fact, I want to go a step further. and said Adam had just met his wife Eve. And the, the commentary, the Bible says, um, um, give me Genesis chapter 2 verse 23. Verse 23, please. Yes. And Adam said after he met Eve, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So he acknowledged now through some supernatural insight or explanation from God that the person that he's looking at came out of him. I'm not sure that he actually knew how it happened, but he knew that that it happened because God told him. But the next verse, it blows my mind. I don't know if this was Moses' commentary or something that God said. But I know that Moses couldn't know this unless God revealed it. He says, therefore, why don't you read out loud with me? Ready? Read. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave... Uh-huh. And they... Isn't it interesting that the first thing that God says, the first commentary on marriage, which is the foundational covenant relationship in the earth. So when he's speaking on marriage now, he's speaking on covenant. He said, this is the... If I'm going I'm to tell you how to come into a covenant. God is going to, God, now this is not for Adam because God is Adam's father. So this is not for him. He's already, I mean, you know, what God said here doesn't apply to Adam. But God says to Adam, as you're setting the order for your offspring on how marriage works, he said, here's what you need to tell them. Therefore, shall a man leave. The first thing God says about covenant is leaving. He doesn't talk about coming in. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait. And you, can, you don't realize it seems like every relationship gets to a certain point, it breaks off, it ends. Why? Because God is protecting you from something. Because many of us don't look at how we leave a thing or how the other person left the thing. We just want to come into it. Why would God mention leaving first? Because the revelation is if you don't leave properly, you can't cleave properly. He said, Pastor, what about? But you, you're talking about me? I messed up. Well, you know sometimes you have to go back and clean up. You're leaving so you can strengthen your cleaving but it's impossible to cleave to something if you have unfinished leaving business
1: stay tuned for more of today's teaching with pastor hart ramsey Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from stellar award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So... Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey in the NCC Family Choir titled True Story in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey.
0: So there's states in life or statuses or stages in life in relationship. It begins with the single state. In the single state, I belong to me. In the single state, it's me and God. In the single state, I do what I want to do. I go when I want to. I come when I want to. I sleep when I want to. I get dressed. If I don't feel like getting dressed, I don't have to because it's just me. I can look a fool all day, make no difference to nobody. When you knock on my door, I don't have to answer because it's just me. But from the single state, I meet someone and I say, this may work, so we enter in what's, to what's called the espousal state. And in the espousal state, I promise myself to you. But in the espousal state now, I, I, I must make sure that I left the single state in my mentality. I left the single state in my identity and I move to this engagement or espousal state. This is important. And that I don't bring over single mentality to the espousal state. Also, I need to be careful not to go forward to to the next state and start borrowing some of the the behavior from the marital state. We ain't married yet. You still don't own me. There's a promise, but it's pending. The devil is a lie. You don't have, no, I don't, none of this belongs to you. But now I've got to be wise enough, although none of this belongs to you, yet I'm still not behaving like I'm single. So I leave the single state, I go to the espousal state, and I function in there. Now, the this, this espousal state is about interrogation. It's about investigation. I want to know who you are under the hood. Need to know what you got trapped in the trunk. Need to know who you still deal. I, in the espousal state, I need to, I need to see your credit report. Amen. I need to know how you manage money. I, I need to understand what, what, let's talk about sex. Intimacy. I don't believe in it. You're not the one. Because... Wait, hold up. you laughing. Some people get married and come talking about, I don't like sex. I counsel some of those. I'm like, what you do you mean you don't like sex? I, I ask my question, you, any kids in here? They're going to hear it anyway. Let me help you out. No, they're going to hear it in school. Let me help you out. No, I got to help you. I got to help you. You come know talking about, Pastor, I just don't, you know, my, my husband just won't sex. I don't know, I just don't like sex that much. You are a wife. You are, listen, the, in scripture, the, the, the word for woman is the word for wife. Listen to this, it's the same word for whore. There's no different word. The word gune, it means woman, it means whore, it means wife. How we know which one the scripture is talking about is what she does. So, the King James Bible will translate the single woman as a virgin, the married woman as a wife, and the loose woman as a harlot. But it's the same word. So, in, when I'm transitioning, I got to keep in mind which, <laughs> which activity goes with which stage. So I'd leave the single state. I'd go to the spousal state. It's not about, that state It's not about intimacy. It's about investigation. It's about interrogation. I want to know who you are. And don't think because you got on your knee and present a ring that when I found out some craziness, I won't bail back to the single state and wait <laughs> until my change comes. <clears throat> come on, well, we ain't getting that. I remember one time, I never forgive us. We, we, were, we were, we were, I was counseling this couple. Everybody said a long time ago. Before, before I, I passed this church, I was counseling a couple. I was on a staff at a church, and I was sitting with a young lady, and the guy that she was going to marry, I knew him very well. So I said to her, I said, so what are you going to do about his temper? She said, what temper? She said, he's the nicest guy. So I said, we talking about the same guy? And she said, yes. I said, what are you going to do about his temper? She said, Pastor, I don't know. What I said, okay. Time went along. I did all the counseling. I kept suggesting in the meeting. So how are you doing working on your challenge? And he go, oh, I'm good. And she looked look at him. I said, have you talked to her about it? He said, we had some talks. I said, has he told you about his temper? He started to laugh. He said, you, you make it sound so bad. It's not temper. It's just I could be passionate about some things. And she said, yeah, he talked to me about that. I'm thinking to myself, okay. The day before the wedding, we are at the wedding rehearsal. And we're making some adjustments to different things, and he loses it. He said, this is my wedding, too. It's not all about you. It's about me, too, and you're going to do what I say. And I go, there it is. (laughs) She was freaked out. She She couldn't talk. She started to cry. We calmed her, finished the rehearsal. Then I went to my office, and I heard a little knock. It was her. I looked around, let it in, closed the door. I said, You okay? She said, Uh uh-uh. uh. I said, Sit down. She <laughs> sat down. I said, I said, What, 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 what happened? She said, She passed. Oh my God, I can't marry. It. He's a monster. What am I going to do? I said, Okay, here's what we're going to do. You don't worry about it. I'm going to make the calls. There's no wedding tomorrow. She said, No wedding tomorrow. She said, My friends are flying in for this. I got all these people coming to, I got to get married tomorrow. I said, <laughs> I thought you said you couldn't do it. I'm just saying I can't deal with that temper. So what are we going to do? I'm going to tell you something I did. So the next day I'm doing the wedding and I, I'm, I'm being intentionally slow. If anyone has just cause why this couple should not be joined together. I'm staring her down. In holy matrimony, speak now of forever Hold your peace. And I'm looking dead at her like. <laughs> she just dropped her head. So we got the next part. Do you take this man to be, I start adding words, to be your lawful wedded husband, to have and to hold, till death do us part forever, but no way out. No, 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 I didn't do that. But I, I, had, I, I was right slow and she looked at me and she nodded she said yes. I said, oh my God. Because what we don't understand is that, one, that, that in these states or, or these different stages of life, we have an option to make adjustments. So that she, she left the single, single state under the, a deception, comes into this spousal state and now she's about to make the transition. Here's what happens. Right at the, where she's about to make the step there was discovery. Because of pride and a false sense of obligation to the rest of us, she steps into the marital state dealing with a devil that she didn't know was there. It's funny how when that happens though, the people staying on the outside that don't know the situation, when you get divorced, I just can't believe they got a divorce. He should be ashamed. You don't even know what they were dealing with. So watch this. So here's what the Lord says. When you're dealing with covenant, he says, "Going, your goings out have so much impact on your coming in. If you are engaged to someone that you can't be honest with, go back to the single state. You need someone that you can share, that you need to have a, what's this not, a sensitive ear connected to a non-judgmental heart. If you marry a judge, you will always be on trial. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. All right. Did it help you any at all? Good, I don't know what it's about. Okay, so let's we'll move forward. So we said change is always positional, but transition is always emotional. It's, it's a critical thing for you to understand. Now, what it means is When it comes to change and things happening around me, even sometimes um, when I process things that are changing inside me, it's always about position, where something is going to be and how it's going to be arranged. But whenever you talk about transition, your emotions are always attached. It's emotional. And once something is emotional, anything that becomes emotional can become messy if you handle it improperly. The feeling that everything is changing makes people very uncomfortable if they feel chaotic, they, they need you. You need security. I need. I need things to be nailed down. And transition is all but about nailing things down. As a matter of fact, in transition, God is pulling up the stakes. In transition, God is erasing some of the things that were. When God gets ready to transition you as a person, I'm not talking about as a group, as a church, as a as a, a team. I'm talking as a person, not even as a family, as a person. He will on. He will unhinge you. And there will be what it simply means is he will everything that that had you staked down he's going to pull up, and you're going to feel. Listen to this: a lack of control. What freaks people out is you are so accustomed of being in control of your destiny, accustomed of how much money came in coming in, accustomed, and all of a sudden you have no control. Watch this: when I'm in a set position, I trust God to get there. But after a while, I get comfortable, and in my comfort, I don't trust God as much. What transition bothers me is that when God pulls up the stakes and I, I start to lose control, the comfort leaves. All of a sudden, I have to look to God he, because He's the most secure thing I have, and I feel like God has left me because I've left Him. And really, He hasn't. Many transitions are birthed out of the fact that God is trying to get your attention again. Many transitions are birthed over the over the fact that you, when God moved you in, He led you into a place. Because he he brought you out properly. He led you into a place and you began to, to, instead of depending on him, depending on other people. You changed gods in the middle of the whole thing. So he begins to move you again and reestablish for you that no Baal is God. He's God. He's the Lord of everything in your life. All that you are, he made you. All that you have, he gave you. Am I helping you today? All right. So I want to do some, I want to skip through some things. I want to give you three points that I mentioned last week. Uh, Francis Chan, who used to be the uh, pastor of a church in Simi Valley, he said that in transition, there are three things that you need to consider. Number one, he says there are three things you must do. Number one, you must surrender to God. You must surrender to God. Put Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 21, just by by way of review. Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, From from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. It was necessary. Notice now, he's he's talking about going. the, The Lord is always talking about going, never coming. Watch this. And that he should suffer or he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would, be, he would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Go to the next verse. I want to say this real quickly. Not all your transitions are promotions. In the initial part of your goings out, God would normally move you from a mountaintop through a valley to another mountaintop. In in the in Numbers thirty three he mentions these five these four places that lead to the Red Sea. He said they left Ramses, which was a place of comfort that became a place of conflict. They went to Succoth, which is a temporary place of hardship. Sukkuth, as a matter of fact, the place of hardship is the place that God wants you to remember annually. The children of Israel still celebrate Succoth, the Feast of Tabernacles. God says it was a, sh- one, a short stay. But God, this is the place of make-do. This is the place of hardship. This is the place where you question you coming out or you going out. But in the next place, at Etham, is where God shows up. That's the first place they saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Etham, God reveals to you that I will lead you. If you trust in me with all your heart and leading that to your own understanding, I will guide you. I need you to trust me when you're comfortable or confident. Trust me when you're scared. Trust me when you know and when you don't know. From Etham, God led them to a weird name place called Pihiroth. In Hieroth, this is significant because this is the place of uncertainty. God brings you here because this, in, in this place, God's going to show you that your, your goings out was, is bigger than you think it was. It, it's not even about you. He's going to show you in Hieroth that, it, that I'm, I brought you out because what I have for you to do, watch this now, is to, to give of the investment I put in you while you were in your hard place. You're going to be showing people how to come out the way you came out. You're going to be telling people what I did for you. Pahairoth is, is a circle place. He, he takes you in circles, but now he's, he's, he's building you up. God led them that way. Watch this now, to get them to the Red Sea. Do you, not, do you think that God didn't know there was a sea there?
1: Take note of this. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Hart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC Family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join Join us next time as we continue to dive into God's word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.